anybody who was successful, it wasn't a fairy tale story. It was always, I messed up a ton. And so once you start to see those patterns, you realize how do you become a great content creator? You first put out sucky content. How do you become a good podcaster? Sucky podcast episodes. There's no way to get to where I want to go unless I'm willing to F up a little bit. Welcome to the 10 podcast hosted by me, Danielle Gray, founder of Train Like a Gymnast. This show aims to help formerly competitive athletes succeed at life after organized sport. Tenno serves a community of recovering perfectionists and high achievers who want to become their best selves through discussions about mental health, personal development, movement education, setting expectations and boundaries, as well as limiting beliefs. If you're hearing this message, that means there's still space left in our 2023 Bali retreat. All you got to do is go to trainlikeagymnast.com slash retreat to learn more. All of that information will be in the show notes and we hope to see you there. Welcome to the 10 podcast, Andy. Thank you for making this happen. Thank you for showing up and we, we're here. We did it. We succeeded. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we were just, before I started recording, we were just talking about, you know, your background with gymnastics. Um, I'll, I'll ask you kind of tell our listeners your athletic background, then we'll go into the lightning round that I usually start off with. Yeah. So uh, about three years old, that's usually when most people start, which sounds so weird to anybody who's not a gymnast. Cause they're like, you're so young, but that's actually when you start training uh, to do even backflips and stuff. Like I remember being three years old, like a guy, you know, having a coach assist me in, in backflips on a beam. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't been up on a beam in forever. <laughs> so it's like the thought of doing a backflip on a beam. Now I'm like, I was crazy. Like, that's how I built my courage. Like, it's a hundred percent. Like, that's where I realized that I could do anything in life. I think, I don't know, because I didn't yeah. kill myself doing a backflip on a beam, but started really young and it was going really, really well and, um, quickly became obsessed with it. Like most gymnasts, it becomes your life and you're training sometimes 30, 40 hours a week in middle school and a little bit in high school. And it just got to the point where went to level nine and then started level 10. So like got really high okay. up and then realized I mean, you know, it just takes a beating on your body. Um, mm -hmm. It was my life. It was everything to the point where I don't know if it was healthy, how much it was my life. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't really have any friends outside of gymnastics. And I think it just got to the point where one day I wanted a life like all the other kids. And I was like, mom, right. I'm done. Like, this is so intense. And who I trained with in Chicago, he was very intense. And so and a lot of his girls were, the vision was like, you go to the Olympics, that's what you do. And so I think the rigor of that created so much awesome discipline, but then it just went too far. And I think I just got to the point where I was like, I'm, I'm done. I need to try another sport. So then I got into track um, and I ran track my freshman year at Mizzou for a little bit. So yeah, I was, I would say most of my background has been, um, I've tried a bunch of different sports, but I would say the two that I gave the most passion and dedication to were gymnastics and a sprinter. So, yeah. um, but I'm actually not flexible. I have speed, but I'm not flexible. <laughs> Maybe I can't do the split. But you used to be able to do this, but I mean, I guess kind of, it's okay. very interesting to know that I was like a good gymnast, but I, I literally don't think I ever really got flexibility. So there are always, there's always that one on the team. So. Like we had, we had one girl who we called her like bird bones. She would like, she would be totally fine flipping super, super high, but then like her middle splits were like 90 degrees. <laughs> it's just like, you have your different, uh, your different strengths, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I started to answer my next question, but let me like do a little pause, breaky poo, and do this lightning round. I usually like to do this just as like a an icebreaker, but we already had ice broken, so um, it's just gonna be a this or that, five different things. The last one is three, but it's fine. Um, speaking or coaching, speaking, gymnastics or track. 
I would say gymnastics, yeah. Yes. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Summer or winter? Ugh. It's hard. I actually don't love summer, but I like the sunny, uh. Oh, that's hard. All right. I'm going to say winter. <laughs> okay. LA, Austin, or Chicago? I'm going to say Austin. <laughs> really? Surprising. Yeah, Where definitely not LA. I'm not an LA girl. Uh, and Chicago, those winters suck, even though I just answered oh, winter. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm left with Austin. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. No, I've been, I've been in Chicago in February and oh Ooh. my gosh, I just stayed in like the, the bathroom by the bean and I was yeah. just under the, the dryer trying to <laughs> like thaw my hands. <laughs> it will just like make you reconsider your entire life. You're like, wow. You're, yeah. you're like, literally, like, I'm going to die. I'm so cold. And only yeah. if you've been in a Chicago winter, do you know what that feeling is like? <laughs> I can't even, I don't even, mm. especially if you don't have the proper uh, clothing. Yeah. Anywho, back to gymnastics. Mm-hmm. So uh, you kind of started to answer my next question, which, which I usually ask people, what did sports teach you? And then what did sports not teach you? So you said it taught you that, you know, like determination, that rigorous schedule and all of that. But is there anything else that you think it really, having that as your foundation taught you into your career and everything? And then are there things that you wish it taught you that you realized, oh, I'm that because of that? Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I really believe that, and this can be sound kind of cheesy, but I think it's it's true people who are, are successful and you can define success as um, they're well-rounded or they have a great family life or a great business they love, whatever you want to define as success. It's not just money. You find that they usually are people that are healthy. And I find that the correlation is because when you take care of your physical body and you have some sort of discipline around it, it doesn't need to be 40 hours a week, obviously of training, but when you have some sort of discipline around your physical body with your movement and your, and your nutrition, you find that if you can excel in that one area, you're usually someone who's successful in another area. And I think learning that for as a young girl was really powerful because I remember asking my parents five, six, seven years old, like, hey, will I be able to be good at other things too? Like, what if I'm only uh, good at, at sports and, and at gymnastics? And I remember my dad one day was like, no, usually people who master their health and master their fitness or, or um, athleticism are usually people who can also master something else. And I never understood that till now at 32. I'm like, what he basically was trying to teach me is that if you take care of that area, you usually then can translate that discipline. And so Mm -hmm. I've realized that because of gymnastics, I learned, hey, I can be really good at something if I'm obsessed with it and I work really hard at it. And so I apply that to entrepreneurship. I apply that to my brand, my podcast, to soul, to everything we do. If I love it and I'm willing to put the work in, I can have that discipline. And so I think it's the greatest gift you can give kids. I think it teaches them to take care of their body, what it's like to be in your physical body, staying fit. Um, It's incredible what your body can do. I think that body awareness is really powerful. Um, the discipline, the dedication, the obsession of, with something. I think there's no negatives to sports. I think it teaches you social skills, how yeah. to, how to interact with other people, how to be a good loser, right? How to lose and, and not cry in the corner, like a little baby that was <laughs> and me. Know that you still can get back up. Right. We've like, honestly, you got to lose. It teaches you, you know what you uh-huh. get third place. All right, get back up next year and try to get first. I mean, you can't always win, but it doesn't mean you suck. And so it teaches mm-hmm. you that I can't think of one bad thing other than it did take up a lot of my time. And, yeah. you know, I wanted to be at the birthday parties and the other social events, like the other girls, my age, but looking back, I wouldn't have traded it for the world because now I, I'm so grateful for what that, that gave me and, and how it helped me to build confidence as a woman in my body and in my capabilities to complete something and do something. So yeah, yeah I don't think there's any negatives. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what we've had. I also have an eyelash in my eye. I'm not crying because you just moved me. Um, 
I'm trying to think of like what other people have said. Some people have said like yeah. it was it took up so much time and it was so just a part of your schedule that when you leave sport or organized sport, whether it was gymnastics or something else, when you then leave that sport and you have this big gap of nothingness, it actually didn't teach you how to manage time yourself because you spent so much time just doing as you were told. So that accountability, I've heard that, like it didn't necessarily teach accountability to self because, oh, if nobody's watching, am I, I'm not going to get that. So that was an interesting one that I've heard. Um, But it, you know, it, some people like, oh, it totally taught me accountability because obviously like if you didn't put in the work, you didn't excel or do this. So I think based on whatever your experience or your background is with whatever sport you did, everybody is individual, but it's always interesting to hear and think about that and then kind of reflect on your own experience to see if that might be true. And you just weren't aware of it yet. So have you ever had difficulties or uh, had to deal with perfectionism? Oh yeah. I think maybe that is actually, you're bringing up, maybe that is the hard part of it is because once you are good and then you're getting recognition for being good at something and a sport, uh, you don't want to let people down. So then Mm -hmm. what happens, especially as a young kid, when you don't realize yet that your worth isn't actually tied to that, but of course Mm -hmm. you're eight years old, you're doing backflips on beams. Everyone thinks you're awesome. Of course you're like, this is why people love me. So if I'm, if I'm not this person, how are they going to love me? Which is actually really sad, but of course as a kid, that's, that's where you're at. And so I do think a little bit of, of perfectionism comes in then because I felt like if I don't get all tens on, on you know, the floor or all around or whatever I'm doing, am I, a, do I suck? Is my family going to love me? Are my friends going to love me? Am I worthy? And so I don't think I articulated it like that at eight years old, but right. that's, that's what was going on. So I just, it's like, you, you kind of then are afraid to mess up. You're afraid to fall. You're afraid to not get a 10. You're afraid to literally get anything less than perfect because then will people love you? And so I think that has translated a little bit in entrepreneurship, but then as I've gotten older, I have a better relationship with, um, there is really no such thing as perfect. And even the most successful people, there's no, nobody's getting 10 out of 10 all the time on everything. There's, it's just Mm -hmm. not possible. You're not putting out enough stuff. Then you're not trying enough. You're not, you know, any analogy you want to use a sports analogy, you're not hitting enough, I don't know, baseball, what hitting enough balls, (laughs) You're not going up to the plate enough. You're not going up to the plate enough. You're not right. whatever inserting any sport analogy enough. If you're getting 10 out of 10, like the, the best baseball players in the world, they're not getting home runs every game. They would laugh at you. They'd be like, that's not, that's literally not possible, but yet yeah. they're still great. And so I think yeah. once you realize that, then you realize, oh, it's really just about the overall consistency. It's overall yeah. greatness. It's not like, is every single game perfect or every single event perfect? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like yeah with a lot of the people that I end up working with, whether it be training or it be consulting and mentoring, a lot of people that come from these sports that have the subjective perfectionism, because it's not, I was talking about this with, um, with Aaron and a couple other people I've had on this season. It's not so obvious as, oh, you made a basket, you scored a goal. It's, oh, I didn't see her, you know, her knees fully straight. Oh, I thought they were straight. And then it comes to an average. So that subjective perfectionism of people's opinions of your performance really translates into a lot of, oh, well, I I don't think I can start my business because I'm I'm not certified yet. Or I I don't think I can uh, sell yet because I don't have, uh, a product or I I don't have a website yet, whatever. It's like people put up these barriers and 
it does happen to be particularly women who yeah. put up these barriers and stop themselves from putting themselves out there because of that deep rooted integrity and it it makes it so hard and I'm even working on this with my mom because she's doing this music project and I'm like you have to have a version one before you have a version 20 like yeah. it's it's yeah. not possible to just skip yeah you can have guidance and you can be taught but um was there a moment in time where you had this kind of epiphany where you where you realized like I'm spending so much time I haven't put anything out yet did you, did you see something or did somebody tell you something that made you realize just put out there even if it's not perfect yeah I think it was just realizing that the anybody in any field that I've wanted to be in or who was successful they don't it wasn't a fairy tale story of like okay I, I did this and then it you know made a million dollars or got this this result it never was this linear thing mm -hmm. it was always I messed up a ton and so once you start to see those patterns you realize there's there's no way to get to where I want to go unless I'm willing to f up a little bit like there's just no yeah. and like you said I love that, that you can't have a you can't have a version 20 if you don't have a version one yeah. I always say like how do I become a great writer first have sucky writing how do you become a great content creator you first put out sucky content how do you become a good podcaster sucky podcast episodes great <laughs> speaker my first one was super awkward I had note cards I lost them I puked in the bathroom like it wasn't it wasn't smooth right so I think it's like you you gotta nobody gets to skip that that step yeah. of like the awkward messy middle of you have braces and acne and it's middle school and you know it's mm -hmm. almost like that is life and I think that's necessary because without that contrast we wouldn't appreciate when it does go well so mm -hmm. it is you're right it, it's harder for women I think we're not only people pleasers but we're really big on feeling like are people still going to love us if I don't show up as perfect even though right. we actually you know most people don't notice it as much as we do <laughs> Right. You know, all the time. I'll be like, that's the worst episode ever. Like, what did I do? Oh my gosh. I'll put it out. And someone's like, this changed my life. And I'm like, right. oh, that's so weird that I thought it sucked and she didn't. Yeah. So then you start to think, oh, that's interesting. Am I harder on myself than, than I need to be? Yeah. Like, at least I put it out there. So yeah, it's like, oh yeah. But I still go in those cycles. I still have it all the time. Yeah. I've been a content creator for 13 years since I was 19. So yeah. of course it's like, well, people like it. What if they all don't? And then I feel like I'm now finally at the healthy place where I'm like, F it in like a good way. I'm like, this is me. It's not perfect, but like yeah. I'm putting it out because I'm choosing consistency today. Right. But in the beginning, it's like, it must be perfect. Everyone must love it. And you're kind of like in this obsessive state that causes paralysis. But if you can break that pattern, then you can actually get to creating consistently and showing up consistently. Yeah. And I mean, kind of with that, like you have, that's also why I, I originally, I think, found you and followed you is because you are so authentic and I'm also very authentic with mine I yes I'll put out like my modeling photos and everything yeah. but I I just I am me and what you see is what you get and I think thankfully social media is starting to shift that direction whether it be social media whether it be advertisements billboards it's just like the perfection is almost a turnoff now for so many because we went through so much of that like 2014 to 17 era where it was we all know it yeah. was the uh the whole grid and everything and just yeah. everything was, it was it was nuts but I think that is if you can just consume more learn more um do more events hear more people speak about their experiences it'll put that into perspective like you're saying when you when you think about your own journey or if you look back at old videos of yourself and you're just like cringe 
I posted yeah. something recently. I was like, oh my gosh. But that was the beginning of my content creation was like moving my camera by myself as an only child, like following me. It's, it's bad. So wow. all of this, why I'm going to go back to like your quote. I remember you posting like years ago. Why is ready a lie? Mm. Yeah. I mean, this kind of goes with what you were saying about perfectionism and, and, and all of that, but I think, I think a lot of us are waiting to, it's kind of like these kind of blend too, like the authenticity and that, but yeah, it is interesting. Cause I think so many of us are waiting to, like I said, look a certain way or sound a certain way, or for the, the content or the creative thing you're pursuing to look a certain way before you put it out there. But in reality, it's never going to be like that. I mean, that's the irony of life, right? It's like, Oh, once I'm a writer, then I'll write a book. Once I'm a podcaster, then I'll start a podcast. It's like, no one's, no one's walking around with a green slip and it's like, okay, now you're enough. Here's your permission slip. No one's knocking on your door. So it's ultimately about choosing yourself and saying, even if this has an awkward beginning, I'm committed to that because I know that's part of the process. So yeah. I think we're all waiting. We're all waiting for something, right? I have a quote in my, my bathroom that says, what are you waiting for? And just every morning I wake mm. up and I look at it. Cause I'm like, what am I waiting for? And mm. there's seasons where I allow myself to do that. And it's like so weird that we all think we have so much time. And I think there's almost this, um, it's almost like healthy urgency, a healthy sense of urgency. Yeah. Um, and knowing that there's never going to be a moment where you're like, okay, now I'm enough. Now everyone loves me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I'm rich. Okay. Now I'm perfect. Okay. Checked off all the boxes. Okay. Now I'm going to, you know, it's like, right. we're all still figuring it out. We're all figuring yeah. it out. And I always say that like interview anybody that is doing what you want to do in any career profession or yeah. whatever it may be even yeah. moms. I mean, all my moms are friends. <clears throat> I want to be a mom. Hopefully soon. It's like, they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. They're like, yeah. dude, I'm really making it up as I go. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, interesting. So I think yeah. it's the same thing with business. People are like, how did you do this? I'm like, I, I'm like, I Googled it. I started <laughs> and I'm figuring it out. I actually don't have the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't like, I wasn't like an event expert at events. When I put on events, I just mm -hmm. had a calling to do it. Felt really clear that that's what I wanted to do. And I was so committed to the first few being really awkward and not being amazing. So then my fifth, yeah. sixth, seventh one could be amazing. Yeah. And so I had to choose myself. I had to say, you know what, I'm not ready to do this, but I'm going to, I'm still going to jump in because the irony of life is you learn as you go. So it's like this catch 22 that we're yeah. all waiting to be enough. So then somebody can give us this, you know, the, the green light to go ahead. But when, when is that actually going to happen? It's never going to happen. Same thing with sports, right? Yeah. I do think there's a level of like, I mean, the best athletes, they, they've made a decision. They're just like, I'm going out there. I'm going to win. And like, they're hungry and they just want it. And so I do think a lot of it's mental, even with athletics, it's not like, yeah, obviously, you know, there's, there's, there's that the athleticism that goes with it, but so much of its mindset, it's the person deciding like, I'm going to go win. I'm going to be the best. And that yeah. might sound kind of hockey, but in some sports it's necessary in order to save your life. I mean, with my brother, Mike, it's like, we always right. talk about that. I'm like, Hey, cause he was a big fighter. And it's like, the guys who are still doing it and that's their whole life. I'm like, are they kind of crazy? He's like, oh yeah, they have to be crazy because they're cocky enough yeah. to think like, I'm going to go in there and fight a guy and win. And if not, I'm going to die. So I always think about that. I'm like, they're, they actually just are kind of like, but Screw it's necessary this. for the sport. They're kind of crazy. Yeah. Like they think that they're going to go in there and not die. So I always think about like, oh, that's a decision they made. Like they've decided I'm the best. So I'm going to go in there. Mm -hmm. So there's part of me that's like, what if we applied like a sliver of that to other things? Like, no, I got this. I'm going to figure it out because I always figure it out and go. Yeah, no, it's totally, <laughs> you know? I absolutely agree with that. And, and even, I mean, when you look at comedians or like big actors, yeah. they, they're all a little intense. And if you are a little, you know, I would say both of us are pretty weird, kind of crazy. Yeah. 
Um, own your weird. I, like I say own your weird. We're all crazy. Yeah, own your weird. So if you feel like you are weird, like play play to that, own that, and like put that out there because also with TikTok, there are some weird people out there in the world. I don't know if you've noticed, um, but yeah. it helps you feel less alone, right? Because yeah. you're like, wow, I'm not the only one who does that. Like I literally sat in the hallway with my cat, like my cat, and it's almost at like 24 million views. Like that, that you know, I guess currently people sit with their cats. And yeah, that's so good. Deal with them. <laughs> like that kind of thing. So yeah. congrats on a hundred uh, podcast episodes. I, I was looking through it. I, I think you just like past 100 or something like that oh my that. gosh I probably more than that I had another show before oh. that one so oh that I don't even know at this point that's so bad that I haven't counted I I'm like who knows anymore <laughs> when you just scroll I think it says like see 99 more or something like that and oh, so it like, could be more. just showing the recent 100 because I was like damn I have way more than that after five years of podcasting but oh, I haven't true. numbered them in a long time so I'm like I don't know anymore <laughs> well congrats on the success of it and I mean yeah. that's kind of like when you listen to it, your quality is so good. You've been doing it for so long. Yes, like I've been doing it for like four years, but I took a two-year break and I'm like, you know what? Zoom is fine. Um, you know, like I, I wanted to get a nice mic, but if I'm still putting the conversations out there, you know, that's that's where I'm at right now. And I've heard people like they come on my retreats and they want to, you know, experience this in person because they've heard or listen to the podcast and, and had these conversations and it helps them have that kind of extra time. Um, yeah. So I, I really love it. No matter if you want to start a podcast, even if you're like, Oh, there's the podcast industry is so saturated. doesn't matter because there is a specific niche of people listening to multiple listening to liking this was a gymnast, but also listens to true crime, like whatever <laughs> it may be. When you yeah. think about that, there are just, there's so much overlap. It doesn't mean that because somebody likes this they're not going to like this yeah um and sure. going back to like what you said a lot of this is is mental with it whether it be business entrepreneurial sports being slightly crazy can you take a little <laughs> a little moment to explain your uh I guess history or relationship with your mental health yeah gosh I've been it's been oh, that's such a good question I don't think anyone's ever asked me that really but I define mental health as, I think a lot of people think that just means like anxiety and depression. I think that's usually what people think, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think with ADHD, it's been interesting. I mean, one, it's very clear that, uh, gymnastics and all the sports I've done or any movement has been necessary in order to manage that. Yeah. Uh, it helps my focus tremendously. I, I joke, and but I don't, I don't know who I would be without fitness. Like I, I don't know if you also feel like it kind of saves right. your brain many days, imagine, but yeah. I move because I have to, not because I, I mean, I love it most days, but it's because that feeling after of like, I feel like I can accomplish something. I'm focused, the dopamine. I mean, it just, it's medicine for me. And so I'm really big on, on that movement for my mental health. Um, so yeah, the biggest thing for me has been movement and really managing ADHD and using it as a creative to harness the creativity, but then also, you know, learn how to, or I should say express the creativity, but then learning how to harness it and, mm-hmm. and manage it when it's feeling a little out of control. I think will always be uh, one of my biggest struggles. <laughs> it will always be one of the hardest things, um, but it comes with so many gifts. So I, I, I did some episodes on it and uh, it was cool to hear other women who really suffer with it and realize that there are so many gifts of it, but with those gifts come some, some struggles that I'm constantly yeah. always trying to just refine and get better. Yeah. And it, and it does look very different for women than yes. men as well. Just, yeah. you know, just because 
you you might think uh you know someone says no you're just this or you think oh it's just a label it doesn't you know sometimes it can help open up so many resources if you kind of look more into it or you do seek medical you know support or advice um how how long i i don't know how long you have been diagnosed with adhd or when did it first become like a thing it's an interesting question. I mean, I always knew I had it. Like mm-hmm. my mom didn't really want to tell me, which I'm really grateful mm-hmm. when I was younger, the teachers would be like, Hey, she's not, mm-hmm. you know, reading this book or doing this thing. And now it's like, well, duh, I wasn't interested in this boring ass history book. Like exactly. give me a break, you know, but back then they're like, Oh no, what's wrong with her? You know, it's like, yeah. they're so concerned. Um, traditional schooling needs a revamp. Yep. Uh, so my mom didn't say anything because she didn't want me to think I was broken or I was stupid, mm-hmm. which I'm really grateful for. So it wasn't until about my mid twenties and I was like, Hey mom, like what's going on? Why is my brain different? She's like, I don't know. Like you just, you know, you, you just focus different. Yeah. And then, uh, so I always kind of knew we'd always make jokes about it, but it wasn't yeah. until I went to, uh, one of the, which is actually one of the best ways to legitimately test, not just a psychiatrist asking, asking you, Oh, do you have trouble focusing? Yeah. Okay. Here's some Ritalin. Like yeah. that's, that's kind of how it is, which I think is really sad that the system isn't really that legit sometimes. But yeah. I went to the Amon clinic in orange County in 20, yeah, that was 2018, uh, almost 2019 and got my brain scanned where they can actually mm. see the different centers of your brain and how it works and how it responds to focus and rest. And that's when it was, uh, confirmed, I guess you could say like the yeah. legitimate moment, but it wasn't really that surprising. He was just like, yeah, right. you have classic type one ADD. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I just kept living my life. So it right. Right. <laughs> it exactly. like, I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> What a surprise. People, there's like a moment, but I'm like, yeah. yeah, cool. I knew I was going to be more weirded out if I didn't. I'm like, what the? Frick? Yeah. So yeah, that was great. But I've, I've really chosen through movement and nutrition and supplementation to handle it. I don't want to be on medication. So, mm. um, not to say for some people that might not be, uh, you know, it could be a good fit for some people, right. but that's made it a little harder because I, because I've chosen that route. It's, I have to get a little bit more creative with my, uh, yeah. ways to manage it and handle it and boundaries and schedules and, blocking out stuff and it's it's like I have to feel I feel like I have to work like 10 times harder on it <laughs> yeah I mean but there are also a lot of people who are kind of moving that and they don't want to be dependent or rely on that and you mentioned yep. boundaries which is a huge one for a lot of my clients um what what kind of boundaries do you set for yourself and why yeah I feel like um for me now gosh a lot of them are even social media boundaries um mm. I noticed I was just taking in too much information, uh, which can cause a lot of perfectionism, paralysis, comparisonitis, fear of judgment, fear of posting. And so I tuned out a lot. I don't scroll a lot at all. Um, I have about three different people I'll follow and watch their stories a little bit. One is like funny. One's like health. One's like something else. And then Mm -hmm. I'm done. And like, I just, I have really fierce boundaries around information that I take in um, everything from podcasts to books. I don't watch the news. Like I am like trying Mm -hmm. to constantly stay in like a good, clean space without getting just toxic shit going into my brain all the time. And so I try to make sure if I'm taking in something, it's educational or it's inspiring or it's entertainment and focusing on that. Um, socially, I'm really clear boundaries that I think when I was in my twenties, it's a little bit more like, let me see if I can get every friend under the sun. Mm. And you're kind of just like the more, the better. And now it's like my tight, intimate crew is who I know, who I love. They're like my family. And then I kind of just, I don't, I don't need more than that. I think if you have more than I don't know, five to 10 close girlfriends. Like, how do you have time to really pour into those? Mm-hmm. I'm really, really fierce about that. Um, yeah. Boundaries with my phone and social and friendships are like the biggest ones that I'm working on now in my thirties. So then uh, I can just, you know, have this space to go be who I want to be and be a good friend and 
partner and future mom and all these things that require so much time and energy that if you're kind of like, you're taking in so much and where you're serving so many people, it's just not possible. And so those are the big ones I have for sure. Absolutely. I'm, I'm getting stricter on them though. And moving to Austin, how did you find a new group of people or did you already know people moving there for yeah, I get, a, I get that question a lot because we have, this is like where our, our whole community is. We knew a lot of people. I mean, everybody was leaving California. And yeah. so, yeah, I have to be honest with people. I get that DM a lot. They're like, how do we know these people? Well, we knew some of them and then they connected yeah. us with their friends. So it was right. really quick and easy. And that was one of the reasons why we did move is because we felt like we didn't have anybody really in San Diego um, mm-hmm. and everybody was leaving. So yeah, they were they were kind of already here. But then through that, I, I, like if I we knew like 10, 20 people and then they introduced us to some people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now it's where basically everyone is. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of just happened naturally, but it's work though. You know, I think being a good friend and all of that is, it's a lot of work. It's a huge part of my life. And, uh, I put a lot of time and energy into it, but I'm also in a season now where I don't work as much. So when I worked mm-hmm. more, I didn't have time to be a really good friend yeah. and now I don't work as much. So I'm able to go put energy into that. So it's right. almost like seasons, seasons of life. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just a few more questions. And I love how organic and natural this conversation has been. Yeah. So what do you wish people knew about you? Oh, shit. <laughs> That's funny to ask someone who is just like, I share my entire life. On the right. Internet. right. Like my followers know when my period is. So like, it's like, what, what more, you know? Like, right. Yeah. It's oh, like, man. maybe it could be like a personality thing or uh, thoughts you have or you know something about the way that you drive or something about your child I don't know what do you wish that people like knew about you about you as a as a soul like untethered soul kind of not just Angie but like Mm. as a human gosh that's so good I'm gonna I'm gonna sleep on that one tonight I think (laughs) sometimes uh you know being Enneagram 7 who's very driven by fun and joy um going more into comedy. My, my, my big dream is to be a comedian. So it's like, I think a lot of times whenever you're a comedian, let's say people don't, because you're so rooted in humor and that's how I process everything and see life. Everything is a script to me. Like I walk down the street. And I'm like, that is hilarious. This random mm-hmm. lady is talking to her dog. You know, like yeah. I just like, that's just the lens I see life through. I, I also think a lot of times we struggle with then people not taking us seriously because they think, oh, well, you're just funny and you're just fucking around. It's like, right. yes. And I also can be taken seriously, can be trusted and can, uh, I can go deep. I just don't like to stay there and I can have serious conversations, but yeah. I like to more so live in levity. So I think that that's always kind of the dance is like, I'm this big contrast of both. I mean, they're talking about like aliens and when are they coming up? They're here and they're, when are they going to hang out with us or like, you know, making poop jokes. And so I right. think that, uh, contrast can be really, uh, intense for myself and then also feel like um if I'm in the levity I'm like take me more seriously but then when I'm serious I'm like no 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 and understand that I'm funny so I feel like I'm always mm-hmm. in this weird little uh dance yeah so I guess but I feel like my audience kind of knows that so I don't know right <laughs> and it could be you know maybe like my audience is now learning you but and they don't have the history of the background true, so true. it could be that introduction so if you're listening yeah. to this think about that as you consume your <laughs> content which yeah. leads me into the next question is when people listen to your podcast or work with you or consume your content, how do you want them to feel? Like a silly goose. Boom. <laughs> no, for real. I, my, my greatest gift, I mean, it's become more clear over the last few years. I used to do a lot more serious personal development. And mm-hmm. um, I just woke up one day and realized the reason I was unhappy is because that's not what I'm here to do. And so 
Yeah. I was like, I'm going to stick a pencil in my eyeball if I have to give out one more motivational quote. Mm. And so a huge part of my, my mission now, especially moving forward in all seriousness, but not serious is, um, I want to be a reminder of joy. I want people to come to my page and just laugh. I want them to just have yeah. a release, have it be a respite, have it be a break, have it be the, the, even if it's five seconds to know that I made your day a little bit lighter and feel better when you were going through a hard time. That is, that is the gift that I'm here to give. And I hope I give till the day I die. And I want to continue to give people. Cause I think a lot of us were just taking life so seriously. Most mm-hmm. people take life so seriously. And it's just, I think that gris, the, the grasp on it yeah. is actually what causes it to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, entrepreneurship, friendship, sports, it's, it's just so intense. And so I want to be a respite of that. I want to be the complete opposite of a very serious page. I think those mm-hmm. are needed and they can go to those pages for right. that. Um, but that's not what I'm here for. So yeah, I would say laughter and joy and remembering what it's like just to fart around and be a kid, even if it's for five minutes and yeah. just <laughs> let go. <laughs> Were you that kid on the team that was always goofing around talking too much? Um, Angie, everybody down 20 pushups. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was always the class clown. I've always wanted to be a comedian. I mean, it's not like a surprise. I was always right. writing scripts. I was always farting around. I've always been, yeah, it's always been that. I think, um, I mean, who knows where that came from? There's a lot of different yeah. theories, but yeah, I've always, yeah, I've always been that person. So yeah. I mean, that's when I'm with my friends, it's like, that's who I am. I'm the one who right. makes the laugh. I'm the one who's like, let's go be stupid. Yeah. You're that one. <laughs> I love it. What are, what are the next steps for you? Final question. Like, let's what does that mean? No. Yeah. What is, what is a, whether it be career, whether it be personal, oh. whether it be, um, like, what are you working on right now? Where, where are you headed? Yeah. So soul is really, really still growing, which is great. Um, yeah, I guess we're going to be hopefully, uh, selling soul in the next year or two. That's going to be really exciting. Um, uh, be a mom in the next year or two. That's really exciting. And then, uh, start doing standup, uh, writing more scripts, doing more, uh, viral, ideally viral comedy content, and then go from there. So those are the big things that I'm, I'm really excited to be a mom and I'm really excited to, to be a comedian. So, yeah. and then hopefully those two maybe will merge and I'll just make fun of my children. Yeah. I mean, Hey, that's your, your material right there. You're creating. I'll just, I'll just make fun of them, you know? So yeah. no, but no seriousness. I just want to keep growing. Yeah. My brand and wellness and, and keeping it fun and um, yeah. And integrating my, my family then into that in the future. And I'm in an interesting season now where yeah, going, going into my, th- in my thirties now, it's, it's very different. My drive and my passion and my desires, then mm-hmm. if you would have interviewed me at 27, even I would be a completely different conversation. Yeah. Um, but the older you get, you just start to <laughs> what matters and what you care about is right. so different. And is so funny. Cause like, how did I change so much in even five years? Right. But, um, but it's great. I'm trying to embrace the, the change and ambition changing and things like that. And, um, yeah, I don't know where comedy will go. I think now, right now it's more so whether that's TikTok and Instagram growing that and constantly putting out those. And then mm-hmm. eventually I'd love to do a tour, like do a, a do instead of my events where I did um like Paisley Brave, I would love to do like a mm-hmm. comedy tour. So that's kind of what's the the brainstorm or the, yeah. what's on the horizon. All right. You're planting the seed. You're putting it out there. You don't know who's going to yeah. listen. Yeah. Like I'm know. thinking like an own your weird tour where like people come and maybe yeah. it's like a comedy show meets like a talent show meets like, you know, oh, we just all hang out. My gosh. Yeah. I don't know. Like I have some weird. I, you know? Yeah. Like it's almost like an open mic at first. Like those people are the openers and then you come on. That would be so cool. Yeah. And then like people come and show their talents. Like, I don't know. I'm like always trying to think of what is, what is no one else doing? And like, what would be really weird and fun to do? Yeah. Um, so I'm in that interesting phase. I'm like, mm, what's, what's next? That would be really exciting. So I love it. I also love your Midwestern talents. Um, oh yeah. So- talents. 
your, you can feel it. Come to my feeling show. <laughs> uh, so how can people find you? If people aren't familiar with who you are, anyone listening, um, I'll put it, everything in the show notes, but you can say all the things right here. Yeah, you guys can come say hi at angielee.com, Angie Lee Show, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and then mysoulcbd.com to check out my soul. And then at Angie Lee Show on Instagram, come say hi. Yay, I love it. Thank you. That was a fun conversation. Yes, I hope so everybody enjoyed listening. Um, and if you have any questions, definitely reach out to her or myself. And thank you for joining. See you next time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Did you know you can get a discount at trainlikeagymnast.com just for listening to these episodes? It's true. When you go to checkout, just use the promotion code LISTEN in all caps for a surprise. If you loved everything you heard in this episode, be sure to leave us a review and let us know what you want to hear more of. Until next time, train with purpose.